you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Good Morning Football is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. Cooking, good luck, and welcome to Good Morning Football. It is Thursday, May 26th. We are almost there, people. My name is Rachel Benetta. That is Adam Rank, D'Angelo Hall, and Peter Schrager. Guys, to start the show, I want to talk about what a hero I was this morning. I almost didn't make it to work today. Okay, I almost, I almost didn't make it. And I want to show you why. I opened my door at 2 a.m. this morning, and there was somebody waiting for me. What Who are you? What do you want? Look at the... What is this? A possum greeting me before I go I to work. Can we get a close-up on the claws? Yeah. What are these? <laughs> what are those? Claws. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's fine. They're You've never seen a possum before, it. Rachel? <laughs> some, uh, some may say I'm a hero. Some may say. Uh, guys, we got a lot to get to in the show today, including uh, more possum talk. No, I'm just kidding. Time for the lead block, baby. Let's go. It's Thursday. All right, the Ravens are holding voluntary OTAs this week, and they've got a superstar missing, Lamar Jackson. There's still no long-term contract in place between Baltimore and the former MVP. So what did hedge, head coach John Harbaugh have to say about Lamar's absence? Let's take a listen. We've been down this road many times, right, through the years, so... Um... I just let Lamar speak for himself. Is it a concern not having him here? It's, it's not for me to speak for somebody else on that. You know, it's it's uh, it's up to him to speak for himself on that. I know Lamar, um, and I know, and I've talked with him. I know how hard he's working. Um, he's extremely motivated, extremely hungry. Um, so there's no worries over there. You know, I know what he's doing, and um, we're all working and doing our job here, and and, and getting ready for him, and um, we'll be ready to go. And I'm confident that. Um, you know, he's going to be ready and, and, and show everybody what he's got and the type of hunger he has right now. All right. Well, they definitely don't sound worried. We've been talking a lot about players not showing up to OTAs, showing up to OTAs this week. Uh, should the Ravens be concerned that Lamar Jackson is absent uh, this week? D'Angelo, I'll start with you. I'm going to say no, guys. And I know people, you know, are probably going to going to go at me. Right. Because I said, Kyle Murray, you need to be there. I said, Jalen Ramsey, and Aaron Donald. No, you don't need to be there. I'm saying, Lamar, no, you don't need to be there. Uh, you know, to me, it comes down to does your teammates trust you? Do you understand what's going on and how to operate your football team? And are you a leader? Are you productive? Um, and some of those instances, like I mentioned, Kyler, I think he still needs to grow a little bit more um, as a leader, as a football player. When I think about Lamar Jackson, I mean, this dude is a hell of a football player. Can he throw the ball a little bit better and more accurately? Absolutely. But the style of play in which the Baltimore Ravens want to do, which is run the football with Lamar Jackson, RPOs. You saw Mark Andrews talking, um, one of his number one targets, that tight end. Um, you know, for me, I'm 100 percent comfortable with Lamar not being there. 
It has nothing to do with the contract situation. Lamar likes to train where he likes to train. I tell people all the time, Lamar Jackson is a running back who just happens to be able to throw the football. You look at this dude, the way his neck, I mean, he has a huge neck. He's built like a running back. And so when I watch him, will he be ready for this season? It's all about the health of the Baltimore Ravens for me. If Lamar Jackson can stay healthy, can play all 17 games this season. Um, I know Shrake, she was on me a little bit about this division, right? This AFC North. Yes, it's still the Bengals, but when you when you, when you put a put a healthy Lamar Jackson into the equation, this was a former MVP not too long ago. So I trust in Lamar Jackson. I trust in that offense. Obviously, you heard Coach Harbaugh. He is a hell of a coach as well, and he trusts his quarterback too. We've done a lot of lists this week. I don't think we've hit the list, uh, the D'Angelo Hall's thickest necks of... of, 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 of. Would love that breakdown. I would think uh, Takeo Spikes, right, D'Angelo? Oh, there you Uh, go. Paul Puzlesny. Yes, sir. Who's got the thickest... Number one. Give me the list of necks. I like this. That's a better topic than the Ravens. What do you got, (laughs) D'Angelo? Well, I got Takeo Spikes. I got uh, Lamar Jackson, thick neck quarterback. London Fletcher had a thick old neck. Ooh. Um, gosh, I'm drawing blanks on the thick necks, Shrig. I'm sorry. I gave you three, though. Top three thick necks. That's it. We got our research department on it. They've got the centimeters and the next-gen <laughs> stats. Um, I, I will go to uh, Lamar, though. And it, I'm not concerned now, but I would be concerned when this starts becoming a hold-in. And I don't know if you guys remember the hold-ins that we've seen in recent years. The player shows up in training camp. But they don't practice, so you can't dock them their money, and they're not violating the CBA, but they're not going to be out there in practice. And then it gets to be this awkward situation. Everyone seems cool with what's happening with Lamar. Mark Andrews' complete confidence is emulated throughout the entire team. They had media session yesterday. It was almost like, don't even bother us with Lamar questions. You guys know it's all good. Marlon Humphrey, who's never short for words, even let out, Lamar will be here soon. So you hear that and you're like, all right, Lamar has told some guys there in the locker room that things are fine contract-wise. Contract aside, Lamar finished the season injured last year. We saw the injuries they had last year. The Bengals are at work right now. And I hate to keep on bringing up the Bengals when we're talking up the Ravens. And I know the Ravens added Kyle Fuller and Kyle Hamilton and Marcus and Marcus Peters gets back and Marlon Humphrey gets back. And that's amazing for their 32nd ring pass defense from last year. But this dude's coming back too. And if it's a game of chess, every single move that the Bengals make, the Ravens have to be aware of it. And every single move that the Ravens aren't making, the Bengals need to be aware of it. So the mere chessboard, their starting quarterback who played five game, who missed five games last year, not being on the field during OTAs while the Bengals do have full attendance and they're getting right after it. It's minor in the grand scheme of things, but if we're talking about a 100-yard fight here, right from go, the Bengals have a little bit of a lead and are on first and ten, and the Ravens are trailing them just by an inch. Their quarterback's not in the building. No, and that makes perfect sense. And I understand that you want to get all the competitive advantages that you that are afforded to you. But at the same time, Lamar Jackson is a former MVP in this league. He is somebody who is in an offense that's been there for quite some time. It's not like he needs to come in and learn a new playbook or anything like that. So I think that, you know what, if you afford guys like Aaron Rodgers, the uh, the ability to go and skip camp and, and do whatever he's got to do, I think Lamar Jackson obviously deserves that same kind of consideration. So for me, it's not that big a deal. And I think that, you know, 
we won't even be talking about this once once training camp starts because this team's ready to go. And, you know, as long as they're training ready, you know, it's not – I don't have too many issues with it. Um, so I'm good. I, I'm sorry. Take your time, Lamar. I don't know. As somebody who is, you know, bad at sports, I was always the first one in the building, so I don't really get kind of this whole thing. But, you know, for them, like, take your time. I, I get it. Like, Mike Winters used to show up for our basketball camps, like, the like the minute before – I was there three hours early. It is a little bit of a difference, wow. you know? Wow. Sounds a little dorky to me. And Mike was the man. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind that Lamar Jackson's missing out on OTAs. Listen, we talked about Lamar extensively a couple of months on this show. Dante Hall was on the show, and Dante had some things to say. He said that, I don't know if Lamar is interested in being a part of this team anymore. And I think Lamar Jackson watched that episode of Good Morning Football, and then he took to Twitter and said this. I love my Ravens. I don't know who the hell putting that false narrative out that I'm having thoughts about leaving. Stop trying to read my mind, Dante Hall. So I'm a little bit weary saying anything about Lamar Jackson at this point. But what I will say, and specifically what Mark Andrews said, this guy is hungry. This guy is hungry to show up and play. They ended their season six losses in a row. I believe that they were in the one seed week 12, and then they completely fell off. They had so many injuries. This guy is going to be hungry. I don't care that Adam Rank showed up three hours early. I don't care that Lamar Jackson's not there at all. How about that? You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Okay, I'm very excited for this. It is time for another edition of GMRB, and it is my turn today. All week, we have been taking turns presenting a top five list based on a specific running back-related category, okay? Today, I am breaking down my top five best non-running back runs of all time, and I want to start it with an honorable mention. Okay, before I get into my list, I want to do this. This goes out to maybe one of the worst runners in the NFL. Um, he, when he runs, it looks like he's got two 100-pound weights on his legs. I'm not even going to tell you who it is. Just roll the tape so we can all laugh. Let's see. With 3.26 remaining. Will Brady run for it? They give him the whole field. Brady slides to the 12. Of all ways to get it done. Just absolutely beautiful. The man, he's trying. This is a dad run if I've ever seen one. Uh, So that is my honorable mention. I want to make sure that I mention the GOAT and his exquisite running capabilities. Go, Tom, go! Okay, Uh, coming in at number five is one of my favorite... NFL players right now. He's known as a wide back. He is a wide receiver that oftentimes plays running back. It is Debo Samuel. The man is out of his mind. Let's take a look at what he did. From the 25. Debo follows his blockers and takes off. Inside the 10. What a run. Touchdown, San Francisco. 
He is so much fun to watch. He had 72 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown in this game, which was the most in a postseason game in the Super Bowl era. I know there's a little bit of drama going on in the offseason right now with this guy, but I can't wait to see uh, what he does this upcoming season. Debo Samuel, I love you. Okay, at number four, we are going back to week 10 in 1998. I was seven years old. Oilers at Bucks. Game is back and forth right up until the final minutes. In comes Steve McNair. Roll the clip, baby. Let's see. If we don't stop them here, they run out the clock. And McNair takes the play action on a bootleg. Avoids contain. He's got the first down across the 50-yard line. He may go. He could go. He will go to the 2015-10-5. Touchdown, Steve McNair. That's the ball game. You're absolutely right, my friend. Not only was that an incredible run, but if you realize who was on the other side of the ball on that Bucks defense in this game, Derek Brooks, John Lynch, the one and only, Rondé Barber, Steve McNair, you are out of your mind. There he goes, and he is gone. Okay, <clears throat> coming in at number three, I am going back to week six, 1986, Steelers at Bengals. Bengals punter Jeff Hayes has himself a little bit of a day. Take a look at this. Ed Brady with a good snap, and this time they kind of feel back. He is going to run. He's at the 40-yard line, the 45 to the 50, to the 45 to the 40, and he's going to go all the way. Jeff Hayes out of punt formation runs 56 yards for a touchdown. Bill, I think that was on his own. I don't think the punt team knew that he was going to run the football. He saw the formation. He saw how tight everything was. He said, the heck with this noise. Every time I punt, it's blocked. I'm going to run the football. Yeah, to heck with this noise. That man was so happy, and rightly so. This 61-yard score was Jeff Hayes' only career touchdown, and I believe, I believe, this was the longest touchdown run by a kicker or punter in NFL history, boys. Jeff Hayes, have yourself a day. Okay, number two, we're getting close here, baby. We're getting close. Um... This is an obvious one. This is one of the greatest runs of all time. I may shed a tear even just watching this again. We're going back to week 13 of the 2002 season. Falcons at Vikings. This game basically cemented Michael Vick as being a video game cheat code. Let's take a look at the run. Vick on second and eight. Off the play fake. Has some running room. Inside the 30. Inside the 20. Vic into the end zone. Falcons win in overtime. A 46-yard touchdown run. His second touchdown run of the game. And they just run out of the... They just run. They just leave. But what I want to call attention to... Wait for it. Okay, my Vic, he's almost there. Look at the... Oh! Those two guys have families, Vic! And they just crash right into each other. This is beautiful. Michael Vick, have yourself a day. This is great. Okay, number one. I think you might have an idea as to what this is. And if you don't, shame on you. I am going back to 1988. Vikings at Niners. Steve Young is starting at quarterback. We know how this plays. Roll the clip, baby. Let's go. They finally got him. The Vikings don't have a receiver covered out there. Now they do. They got a linebacker on it. Young comes out of there. Still on his feet is Steve Young. And still. And Steve Young still going. Young cuts back. Young touchdown. Touchdown. 
he almost didn't even make it. He almost crashed. Uh, so that was my list. Coming in at number one is Steve Young. What a beautiful run there. I want to throw this to rank first, actually, because we did, we've been making a lot of lists. We've been making a lot of lists this week, okay? Rank, you had your uh, Dynamo decade, and you had, who did you have at quarterback? You had Troy Aikman when you could have had yes. Steve Young. So my question to you is, how dare you? How dare I? I don't know. Who won three Super Bowls? Who won every head-to-head matchup? Going against it. By the way, Troy Aikman was a better was a better athlete than a lot of people will will lead up, lead you to believe. He went to Oklahoma, and he wasn't necessarily a uh, a wishbone quarterback or anything like that. Troy Aikman could move back in the day. Don't let him fool you. Hmm. Okay. All right. What do you like? Do what do you like in my list? What do you think? You proof? I'm a hold on, Peter. I, I'm sorry. I don't want to cut Peter off, but I've I love your list. <laughs> Um, I love quarterback runs. If I listen, it's your list. I'm not going to be like you're wrong. If I was doing it, there was one run that I would have included. Uh, I think that we have on tape. If we can roll that at some point, it's a, it's John Elway oh, in the, the Super eyes. Bowl. Pretty good. I, uh, I love this run for a multitude of reasons. I was at this Super Bowl with a Packers fan. And uh, we were sitting in bunch of in, in front of a bunch of Bronco fans, and uh, I made my friend's life miserable, rooting against the Packers all day. That run, just to me, is one of the most iconic that I can think of. But you know what? I, that's a personal thing for me. But great list overall. It's fine. It's fine. Rachel, I'm sitting here in my bottom right corner, and I'm like, Steve Young better be number one. They, these <laughs> better be number one. <laughs> Rachel worked with a team of producers. They better not have botched this on the NFL Network. And then I see it and there's this great sigh of relief. And yet, <laughs> I think we might be failing to realize that one of the last plays we've seen on a football field might be the greatest non-quarterback run. Fourth and one, the Rams with the Super Bowl on the line hand the ball Ooh. off to Cooper Cup, who dodges a tackler in the backfield, swats away Von Bell, and then gets a first down. I know it was recent, but to go to your receiver on fourth and one in the Super Bowl in the biggest game of everyone's life and the receiver convert the first down, not as dramatic as John Elway, not as graceful as Michael Vick, and not as epic as Steve Young. But I, I'm going to put Cooper Cup's one-yard run in the Super Bowl maybe at the top of your list as the most significant non-quarterback run of all time. Maybe that should have been my honorable mention instead of showing Tom Brady. D'Angelo, what no, do you no. think of my list? <laughs> good, good, good Brady run. Hey, Rachel, I loved, loved your list. Um, I mean, I used to see Michael Vick do some of the craziest things in practice all the time. So that run was kind of just, uh, it was a nice run um, that it closed the game. Uh, but I tell you what, you, you taught me something. I didn't know Jeff Hayes took a 61-yard punt. That was kind of clean. I don't know why more punters don't just call their own shot like that. I guess you got to have speed like Jeff, too, though. So I love that. All week we've been having a fun segment called Decade Dynamos where each one of the hosts tackles a decade, a 10-year time span. It says, here are the best quarterback, running back, wide receiver and defensive player of that decade. It's caused great consternation online. Let's go through some of this. Let's start with our guy, Adam Rank, who went with his 90s list and went with Troy Aikman over Steve Young, over John Elway, and said, Aikman, three Super Bowl rings. I'm rolling with the Lombardis. And he went with Barry, Jerry, and Reggie White. Can't argue those. Then we went to 2010s. That was D'Angelo Hall, who played during that era, said he's going Brady, 
Adrian Peterson, Antonio Brown, J.J. Watt. We went at him. Said, how can you go Antonio Brown over Calvin Johnson? Antonio Brown had four first-team All-Pros in the decade. He got his nod. And then yesterday, Rachel came on the show and said, here are the 2020s. Here's what we got so far. It's going Mahomes, Jonathan Allen, Jamar Chase, and unanimous defensive rookie of the year last year, Micah Parsons, which leads a very interesting decade, the 2000 to 2010. 2000, we started with the greatest show on turf. 2010, we ended with Drew Brees winning a Super Bowl over Peyton Manning. In between, you had a few Patriots Super Bowls, a few Steelers Super Bowls. You had a couple runs from the car. There's a bunch of different teams. So I'm going to give you my teams, but I want you to remember where we were in that time period. And at quarterback, there were three names I wanted to go with. Warner, Brady, or Manning. I said Warner had that gap in between the Giants and the Cardinals. I said, I can't really include him with Brady and Manning. Love you, Kurt. So it's Brady or Manning. And let's see the breakdown of how their 2000 to 2009s looked. Brady and Manning, who would you go with? How would you value this? You got, Brady's got the Super Bowls, right? Peyton won four MVPs. All right, Peyton, 13 more wins. Peyton, nearly 13,000 more passing yards. Peyton, nearly 100 more touchdowns. And yet I went Brady. I'm going Brady. What? I'm going three Super Bowls. <laughs> oh my oh, God. As, I'm with it. As messed up as this might seem because he didn't finish the job, the 18-1 season gets put in there for me because it was statistically one of the greatest campaigns we've ever seen. Brady to Moss and what they did week in, week out. We'd never seen anyone dominate the NFL like that. <laughs> until Peyton would do it in the next decade with the Broncos. But beyond that, let's start with this. I'm going with the Lombardis and the rings over the stats. Peyton, of course, would win another ring, and he would make the argument that, hey, I'm the greatest quarterback of all time, until Brady would go and win a few more rings after Manning retired. Tom Brady's my quarterback. I know, Peyton fans, you can come at me on that one. I went with Super Bowl rings. How about the running back position? This one was up for grabs. The running back position, though... I'm going with our colleague at the NFL Network, and I'm going with LaDainian Tomlinson. I feel like Tomlinson, for that stretch, did things that no other running back has ever done in the history of the sport, and that includes Barry Sanders, and that includes Jim Brown, and it includes Emmitt Smith. For that three- or four-year span, Tomlinson was not only the best running back in the sport, but maybe the best player in the sport. Every single time he touched the ball, whether it was Breeze giving him the rock or Rivers giving him the rock, it was electric. Caught the ball out of the backfield like perhaps no running back in the history of the game ever did. And he would throw for touchdowns too. Chargers, again, playoff flops uh, when it mattered most. Uh, Not holding that against the running back position. I'm going to say LaDainian Tomlinson was the greatest running back of that decade. But here's the real controversial one. Who is my wide (laughs) receiver of the decade? Oh, no. 2000 Uh to 2009. Don't do it. Marvin Harrison had Randy Moss in his prime. Mm -hmm. And I'm going with a guy who bounced team to team to team. (gasps) Terrell Owens. Let's look at his numbers and his ranks here. Receiving yards, he was third during that era. Receiving touchdowns, he was second. Receiving yards per game first. And most importantly, all pro selections, T.O., was first with five. I went through all the numbers. Torrey Holt is right up there with all of them in that era. You had Marvin Harrison, as I mentioned. You had Randy Moss, and yet consistency, team to team, year to year, 
no better wide receiver in that era in those nine-year spans than Terrell Owens. And my most controversial pick, one that had D'Angelo Hall falling off his chair in the commercial break because I left <laughs> off player one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I'm not going to do it with stats or with highlights at first. I'm going to toss to a clip, a clip of the greatest coach of all time talking to the greatest quarterback of all time and losing sleep over a certain defender who played for the Baltimore Ravens. Take a listen. One thing about playing against Ed is you just, you're always so aware of where he is. It's almost, you know, it's not like he sneaks up on you or he can't sneak up on you. But I mean, we played him in the rain here five years ago. Mm -hmm. I mean, every time you break the huddle, you're, that's who you're looking at. You're not going, yeah. okay, let's just snap the ball and you know, read this out. You're going, okay, where's he at? Yeah, yeah. He's on the quarterback. He's on him. Doesn't even take this Vincent Jackson <laughs> running right past him. <laughs> Unbelievable. Wow, amazing clip. Ed Reed is my greatest defensive player of the 2000 to 2009. I, I, I know there's going to be arguments. And I know his own teammate, Ray Lewis, has an argument here and says, hey, what about me? I'm a Super Bowl MVP guy. Um, you couldn't go into a game against the Ravens and not account for number 20. And he had the, the greatest playmaking ability, too, once he got his hands on the ball. I think he redefined the safety position. I think he's the greatest uh, safety since Ronnie Lott. And I think his ability, once he got the ball in his hands, was what made the Ravens what they were during this era. Um, I know that this doesn't exactly uh, go with everyone's list, but I'm going Brady, Tomlinson, Owens, and then I'm going Ed Reed of the Baltimore Ravens as the greatest defensive player of the 2000 to 2009 era. D'Angelo Hall, you came in the league right in the heart of this time. There were a lot of great linebackers, defensive linemen, and corners and safeties. Did I get it wrong on Ed Reed? I don't think you got it wrong, Shregs. I mean, just like you said, I mean, you saw Tom and Bill talking about it, man. Ed is Ed. I mean, I, I grew up idolizing Ed Reed. And so, obviously, I love Ed Reed. But you work with C. Wood. How do you not put C. Wood on that list? <laughs> um, I don't know. But you had a tough you had a tough. Tough, tough job, man. But I love your list. I, got, I, 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 love, I have to walk I, into a production meeting with Charles Woodson uh, in about three months, <laughs> and I've got to look him right in the eyes and be like, you weren't as good as Ed Reed. Um, but that's not true. Charles Woodson's career has an argument over Ed Reed's, but we'll go on. Adam, what do you got? Yeah, uh, I'm with you. I'll always take the rings. And by the way, Peyton Manning deserves a little Rex Grossman-like asterisk by his Super Bowl. But I do love that you have LaDainian Tomlinson because – for me, and I, I was alive during Walter Payton's era, but of being a conscience like football fan, there's been no better running back than LaDainian Tomlinson. So I was thrilled to see him on your list. Hmm. It's your list, and we loved it. All right, guys, time for the lead block. Let's talk some more football. The 49ers are in full OTA mode, and Trey Lance appears to be the guy for the Niners. So after an up-and-down rookie season with just two starts, what's he been working on this offseason as he's preparing for year two in the NFL? Let's take a listen. Uh, I kind of 
dealt with my finger throughout the season. So for me, it was kind of getting that back and getting healthy and feeling, you know, back to myself. I felt like towards the end of the season, I, I wasn't in the best, I wasn't the best version of myself overall. The finger for me was the biggest thing, just as far as throwing the ball. Uh, it kind of learned, had to, had to learn how to throw the ball differently. Um, without, you know, kind of using my pointer finger, uh, I guess, just because of, of where it was at throughout the year. But now, I mean, I feel like I'm in a great spot health-wise and uh, throwing the ball well and feel really good. Okay, so we saw Trey pop up on the injury reports last season, but I don't think any of us quite realized how severe that injury was. Do you view Trey Lance differently because of his finger injury last season now that we have a little bit more information on it, Shregs? You know, he played in two and a half games, and he didn't look good. And a lot of that was inaccurate passing, but also not a total comprehension of the playbook. And I'm not being critical of Trey Lance. He was 21 years old, and he had played 17 college games at North Dakota State and played in just one over the past 12 months. But this stuff here, like, this is not acceptable in the NFL. Again, a rookie quarterback, this might as well, I mean, you can't even hold it against him. So young, so little experience being thrown into the fire. But he was not not worthy of, of starting games over Jimmy Garoppolo last year. So your hope, is, as I'm showing him, just firing it to his coaches on the sidelines. Um, your hope is that not only is, is he grasping the playbook, but that this finger was actually a real problem when we saw him last year. And oh gosh, the reason he was so inaccurate wasn't just because he was throwing to the wrong places, but because he also had a severely injured hand on his throwing hand. Um, I'm going to say I'm going to give Trey Lance the benefit of the doubt, not only because of the time to heal, but I'm going to say that he is now buried in the playbook, has a year under his belt. Last year's a wash. Guess what? As bad as you might have thought he was or as good as you might have thought he was, they went to the NFC Championship anyway. There's no worries. It's not like they went 1-15 and and he took 70 sacks. It's not like he he won three games, but he, he fumbled every time he touched the ball. He wasn't great, but he wasn't supposed to be on the field last year. He came in as a backup. This year, he's got to beat out Jimmy Garoppolo. I'd be concerned if he's throwing those passes this year and he doesn't have the finger to blame anymore. Yeah, and Shrakes, to your point, every year you have to prove it, right? So no matter if he looked great or he looked terrible last year, this year's a whole new season. You got to start all over again. Um, You know, I can remember going out there playing, you know, with injuries, but no one ever, like, gives you that benefit of the doubt when you have an injury. And so for Trey, does it explain some things to your point, Shrake? Yeah, it explains some things, but... It was just the inaccuracy from Trey Lance, just like you mentioned, right? Missing easy throws or him having the easy throw right in front of him and Trey choosing to go down the field and push it down the field and put the put the football in, in harm's way. And so for me, you know, it's going to be that better understanding of the offense. Obviously, anytime, you know, you have any type of injury, whether everyone knows about it or no one knows about it. You, you do have to change the way you play the game a little bit. And so I'm so excited just to see what a healthy Trey Lance looks like. Um, just another year, just like you said, Shrakes. I mean, this is a kid who, you know, when you think about the competition level where he was in college, right, not really playing that last year and then just being dropped into the National Football League. It is a whole bag of, 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 of just different tricks and different schemes and coverages. I'm sure it's stuff that Trey Lance had never seen from a defense um, that he had to now try to figure out, man, what do I go with this football? And so another year under his belt, I'm excited to watch the growth um, of Trey Lance. And, you know, you say a quarterback competition. I don't know. I thought I heard 
I thought I heard Kyle Shanahan say at some point Jimmy G will be uh, out of this locker room. So I think it is Trey's spot, and I think not having the pressure of having to beat Jimmy G might make him, um, you know, just a little bit more confident in who he is as a player. You know, it's funny, D. Halls, you said something about whether we know about his injury or not, and I suppose with Ben Roethlisberger now retired, we need that new quarterback who will talk about his injuries all the time. <laughs> just so we know how hard he is. Like, okay, thank you. Like, we need to know. We need the constant updates. Um, I, I don't know. That always stuff, like, I have a friend that I golf with who's always like, they've always got an injury. Like, oh, I didn't drink enough water. We're, we're playing from the tips. We're not playing from the whatever. I just want to see him go out there and play. And I think one of the things that we really love about Trey Lance is his upside. And his ability. And that's why the 49ers presumably went out there and drafted him. That's why they're so willing to go out there and trade Jimmy Garoppolo, who, by the way, Jimmy Garoppolo took them to a Super Bowl, took them to the NFC Championship game last year. But at some point, you made the evaluation that you need to upgrade at the quarterback position. So regardless of what is going on, what we need to see him is on the field making these plays that we're watching right there. We saw him immediately in the preseason come out and hit Debo Samuel on a big play. And you're like, this guy could be the real deal. And I think it'll just come with experience. So we just need to see it on the field. Frank, I don't think you needed to tattle on me in my golf game, okay? I get dehydrated easily, and that is not my fault. Uh, I think that this just kind of makes a little bit more sense to me. I mean, we heard last season Kyle Shanahan continuously come to media and saying, Trey Lance is our guy. Jimmy G is going to be gone eventually, and Trey is going to be the one that steps up. But then we saw him in these games, and we are like, well, this just isn't adding up. But now that we know that this injury, maybe they were seeing things in practice that made a whole lot more sense to them. I loved what George Kittle said this week. We had uh, some clips of him earlier in the week on this show. And he said that Trey is a completely different person this year compared to last year at OTAs. He's been seeing things at practice that he has never seen from Trey before. And also, because of this injury, Trey Lance had to learn to throw a different way, he said. So if this guy is healthy... And the trade that we are all expecting him to be and what Kyle Shanahan and George Kittle are talking him up to be, the man now knows how to throw a ball two different ways. So I don't know if that scares you, but it scares me a lot. (laughs) You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Okay, earlier in the show, I did my top five non-running back runs, and the people have had things to say. A lot of suggestions. Steven says... He wants to see Mahomes' 27-yard touchdown run versus the Titans in the 2019 AFC Championship game. Let's see these. Mahomes has got so many great runs. yee See you later. Right before that. Bye-bye. Adios. This was the moment. Wow. Cemented himself as that dude. Guys, it's so it was so hard to pick. There are so yeah. many great runs by so many great players. Yeah. So, But keep them coming. That tweet's getting ratioed. Pretty great, so really enjoying <laughs> In a good way. In a good way. 
In the best way, in the best way. Okay. Um, our NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport tweeted yesterday that free agent quarterback Colin Kaepernick had a workout with the Raiders. Kaepernick has not played in the NFL since he was with the 49ers in 2016. Guys, what is your reaction to Cap getting an NFL workout? D'Angelo, I'll start with you. Hey, look, I'm I'm extremely excited for him. Um, you know, for Colin Kaepernick to basically sacrifice his career um, for what he felt was right, you know, to stand up. Um, you know, we do pieces now um, at NFL because of Colin Kaepernick about social justice and just seeing the push that the NFL has made towards social social justice. Um, it's been nothing short of amazing. And it all started with that guy right there, Colin Kaepernick. And so I'm extremely happy for him. It's just realistically, guys, like even if Colin's in great shape, it's the mental part of the game, right? Like I've been injured before and have come back the next year and couldn't really keep up, right? It took a time, it took a little bit of time to shake quote unquote that ring rust off, right? And so Colin hadn't been on the center in a long time. But then I just think about, you know, just like the reality of the situation, you know. Derek Carr's offense is going to look a little bit different from the kind of offense you would like to see Colin Kaepernick in to reach, um, you know, the maximum success he could have. Um, you want a little bit more read option. Um, you want to kind of give him some more movement stuff. And so to me, it, it just seems not genuine. Um, but I'm not in that room. I don't know those conversations. Like I said, extremely happy um, for Colin Kaepernick. Well deserved for sure. Uh, but I just don't know if if it means he lands a job as a backup quarterback in this league. Yeah, it, I mean, the football of it aside, I did want to take a moment to kind of just talk about the Raiders. It, it just makes sense that it's the Raiders, maybe not necessarily for the football reasons. But when you look over the entirety of the Raiders organization and think about the Raiders, what you will. I think one of the things that goes unsaid is how inclusive the Raiders organization has been starting way back in 1963. Al Davis was the first NFL coach in the modern era to hire a black head coach. No disrespect to Fritz Pollard, who was a, was the early pioneer, but Al Davis made that hire. He also had the first Latino quarterback in the NFL. And when he was replacing John Madden, he replaced him with Tom Flores, who became the first Latino head coach, won two Super Bowls, the first minority to win a, 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 a Super Bowl as a head coach. In addition to that, he also had Amy Trask as his longtime CEO, well before anybody was bringing women into the front office. So I think it's significant that the Raiders are doing it, and it doesn't surprise me that they're doing it. So I'm hopeful that Colin Kaepernick will be in the NFL once again, but I, I give uh, kudos to the Raiders, not only for this, but for what they've done for, for generations. Yeah, and Colin went on the I Am Athlete podcast with Brandon Marshall and those guys earlier this offseason and said he'd be willing to be a backup. That's a huge thing. If he's willing to be a backup – and he's okay to face the reality that he's a 34-year-old quarterback who hasn't played in the NFL in six years and he might not be the number one guy, well, then of course there's a chance. Um, practice squad rosters are being expanded. There's going to be injuries that come up throughout the, the season. At the very least, getting out there and working out for the Raiders yesterday is an important step if he does want to step on the field again. But I would say this, don't, don't confuse if he doesn't get signed, uh, you know, the football reasons with it, like, 
the reality is he's a 34-year-old who hasn't played in six years, and we're showing his highlights. He's against Blake Countess and the Jeff Fisher Rams. Like, it's been a while. It would be unprecedented. Social social justice and, and football aside, for anyone to take that long of a gap and then to be plopped back on a field, it would be an incredible, incredible chapter in his career. It would be an incredible, incredible chapter and one of the most fascinating sporting lives we've seen. Absolutely. It would be an incredible story. I love that Cap is getting a look here, and I love what you said, Rank, about the Raiders being kind of like the perfect fit for this situation. Everybody on Twitter loves to say that this guy can't play anymore and he doesn't belong on the football field. Well, let him prove that. Let him go out there and prove it. I'm sure he would love to prove you wrong. So let's see what happens with this. If the league is moving forward with, you know, being progressive. We've talked a lot about it this week with the Accelerator program happening in Atlanta. We heard from the commissioner. He was on the show talking about it. This is the the right move to give this guy a chance. He has done so much for social justice, so much for pushing this league forward. We owe him so much. I think that this is awesome that he is getting a chance. Like Schrager said, you know, maybe it won't work out, but I think it's pretty incredible that he's getting the opportunity now, which, you know, a few years ago was not happening. So I think that that's a major step forward. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.